It's Tuesday, September 21st. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. With me today, the one and only Bill Mann. Thanks for being here. Hey, Chris. How are you, brother? I am good. We we got we got some things to talk about. We have payment for order flow. We've got the latest news from the restaurant industry, but we are going to start with the stock of the day. Shares of Uber up 10% after the company increased its guidance for the third quarter. In a filing with the SEC, Uber essentially raised the floor on the gross bookings that it expects in the third quarter. They had previously said it's going to be somewhere in the range of 22 to 24 billion. They're now saying 22.8 to 23.2 and uh, I don't know if this is short sellers running for the exits but if you're an Uber <laughs> shareholder you're having a good day it's, they they raised the floor and they lowered the ceiling so right. essentially they just took a little bit of the uncertainty out of it I'm not quite sure how this is worth nine percent uh, but Uber the stock Uber's the stock has had a hard couple of years. I, I was looking the other day in DoorDash, which only does food delivery essentially. I mean, that's their that 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 is their bread and butter. Has a larger market cap than all of Uber now, which is incredible to consider because Uber, when it came out, when it came public, was essentially supposed to eat the world one bite at a time, and it hasn't happened. And the big news with DoorDash recently was the um, the upgrade they got from Bank of America, just sort of laying out that in 2026, they're going to be making more money. It, so goes the thesis. They're going to be yeah. making more money uh, from non-restaurants than they are yeah. from restaurants. I mean, does, look, uh, the CEO was on CNBC this morning. Um, he's a smart guy. One of the things he said is, we're very clearly on a path to profitability. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to dispute that, but I think the obvious question is, how long is that path? Because that's the, that's the thing about Uber, Bill. That's why Uber has <laughs> never been a stock that has made its way to my watch list, because I'm happy to be patient with businesses that uh, I believe in. Yeah. I, I'm not interested in being patient while Uber tries to figure out what it wants to be when it grows up. So it's so funny that you say that because the other thing that they talked about today is that on an adjusted EBITDA basis, they were forecasting profitability. So in 2019, or excuse me, in 2020, they lost uh, 2.7 billion using normal accounting rules, but only 2.3 billion using adjusted EBITDA. And I know this is terrible podcasting, but I want to read what Uber considers adjusted EBITDA. I know this is horrible and I apologize. No, no. We define adjusted EBITDA as net income, excluding income from loss, discontinued operations, net of income taxes, net income, non-controlling interest, net of tax, provision for income taxes, <gasps> income from equity method investments. I could keep going and going down to Drivers personally impacted by COVID-19, the cost of personal protective equipment, it dri distributed drivers. I can't even do it all in one breath. Yeah, there is so much that they adjust for that are all expenses. Right. Nobody ever adjusts for profits. Nobody ever adjusts for, oh, well, we got to take those profits down because we got them because of the weather. No, they don't. They never do. You have to be super careful with EBITDA in general, but when they are adjusting EBITDA, this is earnings before everything. They're, they're saying they're going to be profitable. So I am with you on Uber. It's definitely on a path. 
It doesn't seem like it's getting worse, but I don't know, man. Well, know. and 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 uh, I'm I'm probably going to get emails uh, or tweets for the comparison I'm about to make. But <laughs> to go back to DoorDash for a second, uh, you know, there you would have done really well as an investor if, say, 30 years ago, 20 years ago, you bought a few shares of businesses that deliver things. If you yeah. just bought a few shares of of FedEx and UPS. And you know that the the delivery of things seems like a better business than the delivery of human beings. Yeah, have you met us? Right. I mean, we are literally the worst things to deliver. I mean, we you know we yell on airplanes, we riot occasionally. Yeah, deliver things. We should be in the thing delivery business. Well, let's we'll deliver be... pa- let's deliver horses to people like a surprise <laughs> horse. No, there are some people who want a surprise puppy or a surprise kitten. I don't think anybody really, I don't think any adult really wants a surprise horse. I have good news and bad news, and they're both the same. Here's your horse. Yeah. Our email address is marketfoolery at fool.com. We got a couple of emails to hit today. Uh, first from Bancroft in Rhode Island. Loyal Market Foolery listener here wondering, what are your thoughts on Kathy Wood? She seems uh, to fit the mold of a fool, capital F fool. Long-term focus buys traditionally considered overvalued tech-focused or genomic disruptors. Do you consider her a lowercase f fool or a capital F fool? I, I love the spirit of Kathy Wood. I, I I don't happen to think that the level of research that goes into a lot of the uh, the theses that for, at Arc Capital that got sent out are all that deep. But I do happen to think that she has something deeply in common with David Gardner. David Gardner once very famously said that there was no academic research that suggested the way he invested was the way to go because they have definitions of risk that we fundamentally disagree with. And I think that she does as well. You know, I th- whenever I see the criticism of Kathy Woods, I think of you know, that old Jonathan Wood, the Jonathan Swift quote, when true genius appears in the world, you may know him by the sign or her, that the dunces are all in confederacy against her, right? Everyone wants Kathy Wood to fail. I hope she succeeds. I really, really do. I think she's a good person. I think she's a great thinker. And I think that she's a differentiated thinker. And we need more people like that in the public markets. Got an email from Stephen Shu who writes, can we hear about your thoughts on payment for order flow and its impact on retail investors like us? I know it shot up into the limelight during GameStop's short squeeze at the beginning of the year, and I feel like it's been a contentious black box ever since. It seems to introduce a conflict of interest because brokers are rewarded by the market maker when they send our trades over to them. On the other hand, brokerages say they always submit our trades such that we get the best execution. What's more, payment for order flow undoubtedly paved the way for brokerages to cut trade commissions to zero. I don't want commissions to come back, and I don't think I'm alone in saying that. No, Stephen, you're not. Uh, Finally, uh, writes, with the SEC looking into the practice and Robin Hood's business model relying on it, payment for order flow is something I'd like to learn more about. I think... You know, if I could push if I could push the other direction, I would love to see a situation where there's a dollar, a commission of a dollar, a nominal commission, because I think if we look back and see what has happened, 
the 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 confluence and maybe one led into other uh, into another the confluence of a of commissions going to zero and the gamification of stock trading i think we will go, we are going to find that focusing on those commissions was the exact wrong thing to me payment for order flow is something that 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 needs to be looked into because there is no regulation in between how much a broker gets and how much a the the broker that does the executing does the the payer for the order flow and so there are certain issues there to me focusing on payment for order flow is just another classic way of people just looking to blame whatever the problems are on the richest person in the room because i think you know it 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 seems like because the companies that are paying for the order flow are massive hedge funds like Citadel, uh, people like that. I don't have a huge issue with payment for order flow, but I do think that we need to look into the environment that exists now with zero with with, uh, with zero commission trading and look for better, more optimal regulation that limits some of the excesses in the market. In the same way that. Apple has spent a considerable amount of time and money over the past couple of years marketing the privacy aspect of its devices. Do you think there is a similar opportunity for someone in the brokerage industry? And you know, and by doing so, Apple is essentially positioning itself against its competitors. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's a similar opportunity for someone in the brokerage industry to um, basically position themselves? Uh, against Robinhood to say, hey, look, we're not going to, like, we, this wouldn't be the ad campaign because it would never be this graph. But <laughs> we're, actually, we're about to hear why Chris isn't in marketing. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> it's like, we, we know some of you kind of got screwed over by Robinhood earlier this year, and we're never going to do that to you here. Yeah, I you know I, I Robin Hood has been Robin Hood has been incredibly successful at taking advantage of the time that we're in. Unfortunately, I think because so many green unsophisticated investors have gone to have gone to Robin Hood because they've been attracted by the gamification of stock trading. I, it really it really worries me that they're going to have to learn this lesson and you know a lesson that they can learn no other way. Uh, yeah, so maybe there is a, a way for other brokers to position themselves. I'm not sure that the market that that uh, Robinhood is looking for right now is that worried about having a responsible broker because it is more fun than it is anything else at the moment. I'm going to ask you to make a prognostication before we move on to our final topic. Uh, In terms of the SEC and payment for order flow, where do you think we are one or two years from now? Like, is this, I mean, the SEC has, Gensler's come out and said, you know, this is something we're looking into. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you expect any sort of action? Is, are the rules going to be different in 2023 than they are in 2021? Well, let me ask you a question. How big how big is the money on the other side of that issue? So big. So big. So, so very big. big. It will it, and 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 this will sound you know the, the, this will sound nihilistic. It will change if the market has caused too many people a lot of pain. Otherwise, otherwise this is, you know, the, this, this is a a tempest in a teapot. Nobody feels the pain from this, so therefore nothing will happen because so big. 
the money. So just so, so just to be even more crass, if a bunch of of kids in their teens and twenties um, who have a couple thousand dollars at stake, if they kind of get screwed over in the process, yeah. If if a bunch of well, wealthy guys in their fifties gets screwed Heaven over, forbid. then change is going to come. Heavens to Murgatroyd. Yes, uh, but once again, I don't know. I don't know that you could necessarily blame that on payment for order flow, though, as opposed to as opposed to other elements. They will get blamed because that's how politics works. But I really don't think that there will be much difference that individual investors will see. I really do think that there's going to be some regulation for how the brokers deal with each other. But that's that skunk works and not, you know, not that much on 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 the surface. Last week on the show, we talked about Yum Brands, specifically the new taco subscription service that Taco Bell is testing out in Arizona. Yum Brands is back in the headlines for very, very different reasons. In New Zealand, the city of Auckland reinstituted lockdown measures due to the Delta variant. This is a city of about one and a half million people. And the lockdown measures mean no restaurants, no takeout food, no delivery. And on Sunday, two men were arrested for having a trunk full of KFC. They had three buckets of fried chicken, 10 cups of coleslaw, fries, and other items. Bell, they're facing <laughs> up to six months in prison for contraband KFC. Worth it. <laughs> Worth it. <laughs> don't do the crime if you can't do the, or don't That's do the right. time if you can't do the crime. And it's like, yeah, this was worth it. So... Uh, it's yeah, it's it's kind of enough. What 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 a great marketing campaign that dropped into Yum's lap that they could probably never touch. So delicious, it's worth risking jail. But yeah, so the city of Auckland has has literally locked down. So you, you if you are a citizen of the city, you're not supposed to leave, and vice versa. And so these guys drove down to the town of Nelson, which is 75 miles away, where the KFC was open, and. They were either buying for themselves for the next month, or they were buying for a big group of people, and they were the ones who went went beyond enemy lines. I, on some levels, I love this story so much, and on some levels, it makes me sad. But it, this is a this is a marketing coup. For absolutely no, <laughs> you're right. the The underlying conditions are serious and legitimate. Yeah. Yeah. The marketing opportunity for KFC is one that I, I hope they recognize and I really hope they take advantage of. Bill Mann, always great talking to you. Thanks for being here. Hey, thanks, Chris. Great to talk to you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. 